You're listening to Satterfield on Sports, your source for in-depth commentary on the whole wide world of sports. From Major League Baseball to the National Football League to the English Premier League and beyond. Here's your host, Kyle Satterfield. Welcome back to Satterfield on Sports. College football 2021 begins this weekend. Games on Saturday, August 28th. And then most teams around the country will begin play Labor Day weekend about a week and a half from now. So away we go into a brand new college football season. And on this episode, I want to begin by looking back at the college football playoff era so far, an era that began back in 2014. And so seven seasons have been played with the playoff model in place. Four teams reached the playoff each season. So there have been 28 selections by the playoff committee across the last seven seasons. And the storyline has been a complete lack of parity in the sport. Of those 28 selections, 20 have gone to just four teams. Alabama and Clemson with six each, Ohio State and Oklahoma with four each. So 71% of the selections going to just four programs. Only 11 teams have ever reached the college football playoff, the others being Notre Dame, LSU, Oregon, Georgia, Florida State, Michigan State, and Washington. It has been an event dominated by only a few programs, and of the seven national championships, three won by Alabama, two won by Clemson, and then one each by Ohio State and LSU. So the obvious question is, entering 2021, will there be parity in college football this season? Will there be other programs outside that big four that can crash the party, perhaps even a program that has never reached the college football playoff before? And so first up, I want to examine those big four programs, Bama and Clemson and Ohio State and Oklahoma, the first three of which have serious question marks at the quarterback position. And perhaps that is the opening for other programs to close the gap on these top four. I will begin where else than in Tuscaloosa and with Alabama and that program, that juggernaut Nick Saban has built in the last decade plus. And Bama was already a blue blood college football program before Saban arrived, but he has carried them to new heights. They have been the best team in the sport now for the last decade, beginning with the first title they won under Saban back in 2009. Now they enter 2021 with inexperience at the QB position inexperienced throughout the offense. Bryce Young will be the quarterback, freshman, and he steps onto the field in week one on a neutral site versus Miami with 
no playing experience at the collegiate level. And yet this young man is already a millionaire. Welcome to the new era of college football. If you have been living under a rock, perhaps you missed this, but the NIL ruling by the NCAA this summer, that's name, image, and likeness, meaning players can now profit off themselves. They can sell their autographs. They can appear in commercials. They can make money while playing college football. So Nick Saban at a press conference earlier in the summer mentioned his young quarterback, Bryce Young, already a millionaire because of this new rule. College football, already a chaotic sport, now even more chaotic. But Bryce Young and this young offense, they are talented. Bama, always a talented team. But there is not much experience here. And as with any schedule in the SEC, Alabama will be tested early and often throughout this campaign. It begins, as I mentioned, with Miami, a neutral site game. I will talk about the Hurricanes more in this episode. This was a team that was among the elite in college football two, three decades ago, have not been for some time. But the Hurricanes are beginning to enter the periphery, the very edges of the national title conversation. That will not be an easy game in week one. And then week three, September 18th, Bama has to go to Florida, one of the more talented teams on the other side of the SEC over there in the East Division. Then perhaps the game of the year in the SEC, perhaps the game of the year in college football, Bama must go on the road to College Station to play Texas A&M on October 9th. A&M, more on the Aggies later. Remember, they were very nearly able to crash the CFP party last season, finishing just outside the top four. Their only blemish was an early loss to Alabama in Tuscaloosa. That was the only loss for A&M all season, including postseason, where they beat North Carolina in a bowl game. But now in 2021, the Aggies bring the Crimson Tide into College Station October 9th. Circle that game on your calendar. And then later in the season, November 6th, Bama will host LSU. Always a great game when those two old rivals get together. So that is a tricky schedule. And then Auburn, later in the season, Auburn, nowhere near Bama right now in terms of talent, but the Iron Bowl is always a tricky matchup. Upsets often happen in rivalry games. So that is where Bama stands. The most talented team in the SEC on paper. Top five recruiting class after top five recruiting class for Nick Saban for more than a decade now. They are the gold standard in college football. But question mark at quarterback, youth on offense, all college teams are young. Bama especially so on the offensive side of the ball. The defense should be their strength. But there are some really losable games, especially in the first half of the schedule with Miami, Florida, and Texas A&M all away from home, one neutral site game, and two true road games. Moving from Alabama to Clemson and their young quarterback, DJ Uyangalale. I think I pronounced that name right. We'll just call him DJ on this episode. He is filling the shoes of Trevor Lawrence, Clemson icon, first-round draft pick, number one overall by the Jacksonville Jaguars back in the spring. 
And DJ, he actually started two games for Clemson in 2020, making him the most experienced quarterback among the top three teams, Bama, Clemson, and Ohio State. And he was nothing short of magnificent last season in place of Trevor Lawrence, completed 66.7% of his passes for 914 yards, five touchdowns, and no interceptions. Now, Clemson lost one of the two games he started. That was in South Bend, that overtime classic against the Fighting Irish, but DJ was nearly flawless on that night. It was the Clemson defense that deserved blame for the loss. They were simply unable to stop Notre Dame's offense, but then in a rematch in the ACC championship game, remember, with COVID, Notre Dame joined the ACC for one season. They're back to being an independent here in 2021. And in that ACC title game, Clemson put the clamps on Notre Dame. Dabo Sweeney has built a dynasty in the ACC with Clemson. No one has been close to the Tigers in that conference. Perhaps that can change this year, but the talent is overwhelming and they have some experience at the quarterback position. And what DJ did last season should give every Clemson fan ample confidence that he can lead this Clemson team to a national title and perhaps become a Heisman Trophy winner. Clemson on the schedule, one of the easiest in the Power Five conferences, but it begins with a showdown on a neutral site with Georgia on September 4th could be one of the, will be, will be one of the marquee games of the college football season. Even if Clemson loses that game, though, after that, they will be at least, I would say, a two-touchdown favorite in every game from week two through the end of the regular season. Now, in the ACC championship game, they will most likely play either North Carolina or Miami, but neither of those teams appear anywhere on Clemson's regular season schedule. So between week one and that ACC title game, it is a cupcake schedule for the Tigers. Meaning, even if they lose in week one, if they run the table, and they should, that is a 12-1 and football team with an ACC championship on a 12-game winning streak with a Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback, that should be enough to push Clemson back into the playoff. And so just looking at schedule, and not just schedule, also the talent of the roster, but that's obvious with Clemson, and has been for years now. Clemson, I might lean toward the Tigers if I had to pick a national champion right here in late August. Because they, to me, they have some experience at the QB position, unlike Alabama, unlike Ohio State, as I will discuss here in a moment. And that schedule is so manageable. So there's Alabama, there's Clemson, the two programs that have combined to win five of the seven national titles in the CFP era. And then right behind those two, my team. Ohio State, the Buckeyes, never far away from the national title conversation. They are so far beyond the rest of the Big Ten, highly unlikely that they will fail to win the Big Ten and fail to reach the CFP. But the schedule is more challenging than Clemson, to be sure. Weeks one and two especially. 
having to play a road conference game in week one, Thursday, September 2nd. They have to go to Minnesota. And then in week two, they welcome in Oregon to the Horseshoe in Columbus. And Oregon appears on paper to be the most talented team on Ohio State's schedule. There is no easing in to this 2021 season for Ohio State. It begins with two real challenges. And at the quarterback position, they have zero career passing attempts in that entire quarterback room. C.J. Stroud will be the starter. Ryan Day, head coach, announced that this past weekend. So C.J. Stroud, a man who has never thrown a pass at the collegiate level, he will be QB1 for the Ohio State Buckeyes in week one in Minneapolis against Minnesota on a Thursday night in prime time. Now behind Stroud, that is where the real story has been throughout this summer. And not just here in Columbus where I am, but across the college football landscape, Quinn Ewers is a name that grabbed headlines last month, as it was earlier in this summer when he announced he would be foregoing his senior year of high school. He had already committed to Ohio State, five-star quarterback recruit, highly, highly regarded by scouts from coast to coast, but he is skipping his senior year of high school. He is in Columbus right now participating in summer camp. He wants to be the quarterback for Ohio State right now. This young man should be in high school, playing high school games later this week. And yet he's in Columbus playing quarterback for Ohio State. Now, Ryan Day has said the obvious Quinn Ewers will not be the starter. He will most likely not start at any point this season. But Ryan Day has not ruled that out. He's not redshirting Ewers at this point. Quinn Ewers is here to play. There are two other Highly regarded quarterbacks in that room, Kyle McCord and Jack Miller. Ohio State is loaded at this position talent-wise, but not experience-wise. Again, they have no experience whatsoever. With the small exception, C.J. Stroud played a few snaps in garbage time last season. Actually ran for a touchdown against Michigan State, but has never thrown a pass. Again, never thrown a pass at the collegiate level. So with inexperience at the QB position, if Ohio State is to be tripped up in the 2021 season, it will have to be early. That road conference game in week one and then Oregon in week two, because after that, for the next month and a half, there'll be a three, four touchdown favorite every game. Then they go to Indiana, October 23rd. The Hoosiers, a surprise team, in the Big Ten last season, finishing second in the Big Ten East behind Ohio State and in Columbus, again with no fans. So it was not the hostile environment it usually is, no fans because of COVID. Indiana only lost by one touchdown to Ohio State last season. The gap was not that wide. Now can Indiana further close that gap, but they just don't have the talent top to bottom like Ohio State. But October 23rd in Bloomington, that's a potential trap game. Then Ohio State will host Penn State October 30th. It was a nightmare 2020 for the Nittany Lions, but James Franklin recruits well, and Penn State is at least in the same universe talent-wise as Ohio State. 
And some of the toughest games for the Buckeyes over the last half decade have been against Penn State. They lost the Nittany Lions in Happy Valley in 2016, then a massive comeback win in 2017, close wins in 18 and 19. They have been challenged by Penn State on numerous occasions recently. That's a game to circle October 30th and then the rivalry game with Michigan, November 27th. But quite frankly, this ceased to be a rivalry some time ago. Michigan simply does not compete at the same level as Ohio State. We are so far removed from the 10-year war and all of the great matchups of yesteryear in this rivalry, Ohio State and Michigan in the game. It is simply a game now. This is nowhere near a rivalry. Michigan has beaten Ohio State once in the last 17 seasons. That was in 2011 when the OSU program was rocked by NCAA scandal. Jim Tressel resigned before the season. And that was Ohio State's only losing record in the last several decades. And Michigan barely beat Ohio State that year. That's Michigan's only win against the Buckeyes since 2003, nearly 20 years ago. This is not a rivalry. Ohio State competes for national championships every season. Michigan has not even played in a Big Ten championship game since the title game was added by the conference in 2011. So there have been 10 seasons with the Big Ten championship game in place. 10 chances for the Michigan Wolverines, this iconic program in the Midwest. 10 chances for them to reach, just reach, the Big Ten championship game. And they are 0 for 10 in that quest. They have never even played for a Big Ten championship. Ohio State competes for national championships. Michigan does not even compete for Big Ten championships. Michigan competes for eight or nine wins and a decent bowl game. This is not a rivalry and has not been for some time. So that's Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State, the big three of the CFP era. But I mentioned Oklahoma earlier because the Sooners have been to four college football playoffs. So it is a big four in terms of appearances, those four accounting for 20 of the 28 selections. But Oklahoma has never won a game in the college football playoff, 0-4, losing in the semifinal each and every appearance. The problem has been defense. In fact, they have put two Heisman Trophy-winning quarterbacks into the CFP, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. And they might be about to put a third, Spencer Rattler. The problem for Oklahoma, that defense has just not been nearly at the level of Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State in the CFP era. If it was, they would already have won one or two national championships. The defense, the Sooners hope is improved. The offense, again, should not be a problem. Spencer Rattler, the signal caller, far and away, the most experienced quarterback among these top four teams. He was the starter all of last season, 67.5% completions, 3,031 yards, 28 touchdowns, and seven interceptions, a good four to one touchdown to pick ratio. 
Oklahoma struggled early, but they closed the season on an eight-game winning streak, including winning the Big 12 title and then blowing the doors off Florida in a bowl game back in late December. Here's the schedule. It is very, very favorable. Their big out-of-conference game is Nebraska, September 18th. Now, that's a really fun matchup. So much history, those old Big 12 rivals, Nebraska, of course, playing in the Big 10 for about the last decade. will be fun to watch those two teams play again, but Nebraska is nowhere near the talent of Oklahoma. That should be a blowout. And then after Nebraska on September 18th, the Red River rivalry, October 9th, always at a neutral site, always a great matchup. Now, Texas... Not at the level of Oklahoma. They made a great hire, though, with Steve Sarkeesian from Alabama. Sark was the offensive coordinator down there for the last few seasons. And if you watched that Bama attack last season, you understand this is the right hire for Texas because Steve Sarkeesian built a monster. Of course, he had great tools to work with given the great recruiting classes, but that Bama offense despite all the chaos of COVID and games being rescheduled and the season being pushed back, they never missed a beat. But Texas, probably a few years away from really being at the level of Oklahoma, OU will be favored in the Red River rivalry this October. And then the game to circle is November 20th in Norman, Oklahoma against Iowa State. The Cyclones, perhaps, the most interesting team in college football entering 2021 More on them in a moment. For now, it is sufficient to say these teams played twice last season. Iowa State won in Ames, Iowa. Oklahoma won in the Big 12 championship game. This game on November 20th will have Big 10 title implications, rather Big 12, although there are now only 10 teams in the conference, and Oklahoma and Texas are leaving to the SEC soon. But for now, it is called the Big 12. So this game will have Big 12 title implications and college football playoff implications. And then the very next week, with no rest, Oklahoma has to jump right into Bedlam, one of the best names for a rivalry in all of sports, the Bedlam game at Oklahoma State. That's a rivalry game. So Oklahoma, seven days after playing its most important game of the season, then has to go on the road to play Oklahoma State. And then the very next week, we'll probably have to play the Big 12 championship game. That's a rugged close to the season with three really difficult games, one after another after another. So there is how the big four shape up entering 2021, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. And now I have identified six programs that could potentially close that gap in 2021, four of whom have never before appeared in the college football playoff. I will begin in the SEC. Since I began with Alabama, I will begin with Alabama's competition, the direct competition, Texas A&M in the SEC West, Georgia in the SEC East. Already spoke about the Aggies only losing one game all of last season. That was against Alabama, and it was a decisive loss. They lost by four touchdowns. 
They allowed more than 50 points to Alabama. The good news for Texas A&M, two-part, one, they have Alabama going into College Station this season. A&M also returns nine starters on defense. That defense should be improved. And it was a good unit last year. They were just no match for Alabama. Now, in 2021, more experience for AM on that side of the ball. They bring Bama into College Station. And by the time we reach October 9th, we'll have a better idea of how this Alabama offense looks. But right now, inexperience at quarterback, question marks all over the offensive side of the ball. I don't think Bama's going to score 50-plus against AM here in 2021, although Bama should be viewed as the favorite again. Offensively, Hayes King will step up and replace Kellen Mond at quarterback. Mond was very good at AM, now plays for the Minnesota Vikings in the NFL, and King has an elite running back in the backfield alongside him in Isaiah Spiller. Jimbo Fisher, since arriving in College Station, has been landing really good recruiting classes. That gap is closing, and if there is another SEC team that can step up and dethrone Alabama, good chance it would be Texas A&M. Now, on the other side of the conference, Georgia. JT Daniels, the transfer from USC, played sparingly because of injury last season. He is healthy. He is ready. He will be QB1 down there in Athens this fall. For Georgia, it's a manageable schedule. It begins with that game, neutral site versus Clemson, September 4th. And then in SEC play, the only other game they have on their schedule in which they will not be a clear favorite will be October 30th, neutral site game in Jacksonville versus Florida. But Georgia has the better roster. They will be favored there. And like Clemson, even if Georgia loses week one, the Bulldogs will control their own destiny through the remainder of that schedule. And Georgia, the odds-on favorites to be in Atlanta for the SEC championship game going up against Alabama or maybe Texas A&M. So that's the SEC picture. Now, when I spoke about Clemson earlier, I talked about how they will be playing either North Carolina or Miami in all likelihood in the ACC championship game. And perhaps the gap, which has been cavernous in the ACC for the past many years, perhaps that gap is beginning to close. North Carolina has a really good quarterback in Sam Howell. He is one of 18 returning starters. And Mac Brown, since arriving at Chapel Hill, has been recruiting very well. So those are not just 18 experienced players returning. Those are talented players. North Carolina is on the way to becoming a viable ACC title contender. What happened this year? They should at least be favorites to reach the title game, even though Miami is closing the gap on North Carolina. More on Carolina, though, Sam Howell, 68.1% completions last season, 3,586 yards, 30 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. And those numbers were actually slightly better than what Spencer Rattler put up at Oklahoma. And Rattler right now is viewed as the Heisman Trophy favorite. Do not sleep on Sam Howell and North Carolina. 
Tricky schedule, though. Week one will not be easy. Week one is a Friday night, September 3rd, on the road in Blacksburg, Virginia, against Virginia Tech. Lane Stadium will be rocking. Virginia Tech does not have the talent of North Carolina, but a week one conference game on the road in a hostile environment, that is not going to be simple for North Carolina. Then after that, they go about a month and a half There'll be heavy favorites, and then the showdown with Miami. It is a home game for UNC. That's October 16th, and then two weeks later, an out-of-conference game, October 30th, at Notre Dame. So that is a really interesting schedule, but the season for the Tar Heels really boils down to that October 16th game against Miami. The winner of that game will go on to play Clemson, most likely, in the ACC championship game. And Miami has its quarterback healthy. De'Eric King, he was at Houston a few years ago, transferred to Miami, played at Miami last season, blew out his knee, though, in the bowl game. And there were real questions about whether or not he would be ready to go week one. But the reports emerging from Miami state definitively he is healthy and ready to be the dual threat quarterback that made him one of the more sought after players in that transfer portal last summer. Miami returns 19 starters, one more than North Carolina. Miami has that game against Alabama in week one, and then the showdown with North Carolina on October 16th. The ACC more interesting than it has been in quite some time. Now, in the Big 12, already spoke about Iowa State. This team is fascinating. They return 20 starters. There are 11 on offense and 11 on defense. That's 22. So they only have to replace two starters from last year. And they were not that far off from being Big 12 champions. They lost a one-possession game to Oklahoma in that Big 12 title game last December, and they were driving for the winning score before throwing an interception inside the OU 20 late in that ballgame. For Iowa State, they play their rivals Iowa at home September 11th, then Texas at home November 6th, before going on the road two weeks later to Norman to play Oklahoma. Much like North Carolina and Miami can boil their seasons down to one game, so too can Iowa State. For the Cyclones, their season will be reduced to 60 minutes of football at Oklahoma on November 20th. Can Iowa State pull the upset? Can Iowa State possibly reach the CFP? And then one other team that must always be mentioned in these discussions, Notre Dame. Now, I spoke earlier about the fact that Michigan is no longer a rival for Ohio State, and yet you ask the average Buckeye fan, what team do you hate the most? They'll answer Michigan without even thinking. That ain't my answer. My answer is these guys, Notre Dame, the most overrated program in college football for the last three decades. I have never seen Notre Dame win a national title in my lifetime. In fact, when they're on the big stage, they usually, not usually, always get blown out. 2012 national title game, they were 
blown out by Alabama. They've been in the CFP twice, blown out both times in the semifinal, once by Clemson and then once by Alabama. That was last season. They are frauds propped up by their own history. But here they are again. Now, in fairness, they recruit fairly well. They're not a bad program. We put them in the Big Ten and they're third best, second or third best, but a distant second or third. They're nowhere near Ohio State. They're nowhere near Alabama. They're nowhere near Clemson. Put them in the SEC, they're losing four or five games a year. But here's what Notre Dame does. And the media and the pollsters fall for it every season. They play these name brand college football programs that are a shell of their former selves. But Notre Dame always gets credit for winning those games. They play Michigan or Michigan State, or they play USC, which hasn't been a title contender at the national level for over a decade. And Notre Dame always gets credit for winning those games. And so they'll always be in the top five into the season with a chance to reach the playoff, even though everybody knows when they step on the field against Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson, they will get smashed. Hopefully this season, with only nine returning starters and actually a fairly difficult schedule, I don't think the Fighting Irish will reach the CFP, thankfully, because nobody needs to see that again. We've seen that movie before. We know how it ends. And it's just as bad as Rudy, the most overrated sports movie ever. Another reason to hate Notre Dame. Tough games, though, legitimately tough games. But week one will fall under that old trap the media falls for every season and the pollsters, even, even many fans. Notre Dame plays Florida State week one. Notre Dame will win that game by two or three touchdowns, and they'll be ranked inside the top five after that win. Florida State, though, is a terrible football program. It has been now for over a decade, but they used to be good. And so they're a name brand team. And so Notre Dame will get credit for winning that game even though Florida State is at the level of, I mean, they're, they're a bottom half of the ACC team right now, and the ACC is a bad conference. But just prepare yourself for that. Notre Dame wins week one. They'll be in the top five being talked about as a national title contender for beating a bad team, but a big brand bad team. However, after that, there are some tough games here. They play Wisconsin September 25th on a neutral site, then they play Cincinnati October 2nd. Remember the Bearcats. Last season only lost one game, and that was on a last-second field goal to Georgia in the bowl game. Cincy very nearly ran the table and put up an undefeated season under former Ohio State player and coach Luke Fickle down there in the Queen City. Then October 23rd, they play USC at home. Again, they'll receive credit for winning that game of the USC appears to be on the upswing slightly under Clay Helton, maybe, but they have been a rather mediocre program now, really since Pete Carroll left, what, a decade ago? But again, Notre Dame will get massive credit for winning that game, even though USC is not terribly impressive. But then, as I said earlier, they play North Carolina October 30th. So there are some legitimately difficult tests here that if they run the table, they will have earned a CFP ticket. But I don't think they get there. I think Wisconsin might be a loss. I think Cincinnati could be a loss. I think North Carolina will be a loss October 30th. Interesting team, though, on paper. And they have at quarterback Jack Cohn, do the Irish. 
He transferred from Wisconsin. That game, September 25th, will be one to watch for. But Notre Dame, always overrated this season. They should be stopped well before the CFP. One can only hope. So that is the college football picture entering 2021. The big four and then a few other programs that can maybe, just maybe, bring some parity to this great sport. And away we go. Cannot wait. So many great games. Alabama and Miami, Clemson and Georgia. Those are the two games to watch the opening week. Ohio State and Oregon on September 11th. And then... We're underway. We're off and running. So many games to watch for. The storylines will begin to emerge. And here in about two, maybe two and a half months, we'll have the first college football playoff rankings. It happens fast. It's not a long season. Teams are playing 12, 13 games. And by the second, oh, rather by the first week of December, by that first Sunday in December, we know the top four and we're going to the playoff at that point. Should be fun. This episode sure has been. Thank you again for listening. This has been Satterfield on Sports. I, as always, am your host, Kyle Satterfield, saying so long and goodbye.